And in particular today, man, you see a lot of people dealing with depression, dealing with stress, anxiety levels are through the roof. And I really believe with all my heart, as a person who studied and researched this, that a lot of this is tied up in our mental well-being as a result of a lack of self-care and a lack of an emphasis on our role in the wellness journey. But what it takes, a man, is ownership. And it's ownership for my personal wellness sake. I'm not doing this because it sounds good. I'm doing it because it's good for me. And it's good for those people that love me and care about me, that I'm taking the time to fill my tank up. Welcome to the Happy Healthy Human Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Levitin. What do the happiest, healthiest humans all have in common? They are students of success. And my mission to help both you and I become the happiest, healthiest humans we can be, I have studied success at all levels. And after spending over a decade working in the field of human development and flourishing, I can tell you with certainty, success leaves clues. On this show, I investigate and explore the common clues and foundational principles that tie together success in all areas of life. Whether it's happiness, health, wealth, relationships, it's all a part of the human experience. By following these success clues and understanding the underlying success principles, you will find that success is not simply a possibility, it's guaranteed. Every Tuesday, I give you simple, straightforward action steps and tools using these clues and principles of success to help you become the happiest, healthiest human you can be. Daryl Andrews, better known as Coach D, is a renowned motivational strategist, speaker, author, and executive worldwide coach. He has consulted and coached thousands of people and organizations such as Walmart, Verizon, and more on topics like self-care, leadership, core values, and teamwork. In this episode, we discuss the similarities between the success principles that Coach D teaches around the world to Fortune 100 companies and the principles he's used to build a beautiful family, raising five successful children, and maintaining a strong marriage lasting over 30 years and counting. Please enjoy this conversation with Coach D. Andrews. Why are you so passionate about self-care? That's a really good question, Paul. Strangely enough, I've been passionate about it for about 20 years. <laughs> so I've been at this a long time as a speaker, trainer, coach, consultant. And I'm passionate about it because I'm passionate about the well-being of people. You know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I have friends, I have colleagues, I mentor a lot of people. And in particular today, man, you see a lot of people dealing with depression, dealing with stress, anxiety levels are through the roof. And I really believe with all my heart, as a person who studied and researched this to the nth degree and all of that, that a lot of this is tied up in our mental well-being as a result of a lack of self-care and a lack of an emphasis on our role in the wellness journey. So I care about this because I just want to see people in a better place. I think that in the workplace and society and families, when people take time to fill their tanks, they have way more energy to fill others. So I, I just believe it's, it's a contribution that we make to society. I mean, we coach, consult corporations and businesses and organizations and individuals but we see it more of a mission than just work, you know, or a business per se. We, we love empowering people to empower themselves to make a difference. 
And so been my passion for years, man, for years. I love that empowering people to empower themselves. Mm-hmm. And I love the analogy or the the visual of filling ourselves up, right? Fill up your tank. You can't pour from an empty cup is something that gets said a lot. But when it comes to self-care, I feel like it's almost cliche at this point where people mm-hmm. talk about it so much like self-care, self-love, all this stuff. But it's one of those things that gets thrown around so often that we don't know exactly what it even is Mm -hmm. so how do you start to give this to someone and how do we break away from the cliche of just like you know just bubble bath and 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 mimosas because that's self-care i love that question because i actually throw that one out a lot when people talk about it because everybody thinks that self-care is smoothies and yoga class And what we try to tell people, and I think it's the thing that's kept us relevant in having this conversation for years, is we're talking about the psychology of it. We have to understand that self-care is steeped in mindset. It really is. I'm a big fan of uh, growth mindset. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Dr. Carol Dweck. And 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 I understand that a lot of times it's easy for the for people to just throw terms out because it sounds good. But you and I both know, man, as experts in coaching and doing what we do, that what sounds good doesn't necessarily get done, you know. And so I can tell you all day long, you should do self-care and everyone's using it and talking about it. But what it takes, man, is ownership. And it's ownership for my personal wellness sake. I'm not doing this because it sounds good. I'm doing it because it's good for me and it's good for those people that love me and care about me, that I'm taking the time to fill my tank up. And so we don't talk about it like other people talk about it. What we say about self-care is that self-care is a precursor to wellness. And so if I want wellness, if I want to feel good, if I want to have a great state of mind, if I want to have a sense of life balance, I want to have a sense of career fulfillment, I'm not going to live a lopsided life where I'm constantly pouring out all the time. I'm going to take the time, just like you take that car to the gas tank to go fill my tank up so that when I go to work, when I take care of my family, when I'm with my spouse, I have something to give because I have a, I have a full tank. And so when we say self-care, it's an action, man. It's something that you have to actually do to energize yourself. It's not just doing it because, you know, celebrities are talking about it or the latest talk show or whatever, all the different things that's going on. I'm doing it because for me, it's a necessity, you know? And um, it's interesting if, uh, I'll just use this scenario. Uh, If a doctor tells us, let's say, you know, uh, you got to take pills for depression. Guess what? We're going to put that on our timer. We're going to, we're going to say, you know, at two o'clock, I need to take that pill. I'm going to grab that pill and pop it on my wall because I'm being told to. Why? Because it's going to help me minimize depression. Well, if we can be that disciplined with someone selling us to do something from a medical, let's say, I'm just using that as an example, there'll be many other examples. Why can't we be that disciplined on our own? You know, why can't we say, you know what, I'm going to take one day a week, not one day a week, but one time a week, I'm going to do something self care. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to go walk on the beach. I'm going to go ride my bike. I'm going to walk around the neighborhood. Because why? Just like that doctor is saying, I need it because of something that's taking place. Why can't I be proactive and say, I'm doing it to even prevent some of that stuff so that now I'm in charge, I'm in control. So self-care is much more 
from our perspective than just do a smooth movie or do yoga class. It is creating a mindset that creates health. It creates wealth in some cases, mental stability, better relationships across the board. So that's the difference. That's the unique part. Because again, as I mentioned, self-care is a precursor. It's the thing that's the, that establishes that I'm going to get to wellness. And guess what? People who do this effectively live much more better, from a life perspective, have better quality of life because they have taken the time to realize this is not just some cliche word. This is an action that I have to take so that I can have mental stability and stability in other aspects of my life. Yeah, I, I think that when we think about this from a perspective of quality of life, as you just said, mm-hmm. longevity, fulfillment, these are the words as you used empowerment, right? Who wouldn't want an empowered life? We, we love mm-hmm. to feel empowered and to feel disempowered is one of the worst feelings that we can feel as a human. When you feel like... Mm-hmm you're out of control. I call it being in the passenger seat of life when life is just happening Mm -hmm. to you. We want to feel like we're in the driver's seat, like we're active deciders in our life. And self-care, as you said, is a precursor to that because it's getting out preemptively. Most people, to use your example, will go to the doctor when they're already sick. And then the doctor will give them a pill to make them better and help them, but they've already backslid. Whereas self-care is a way to get out ahead of that and to take the action before mm-hmm. it becomes an issue. Because the reality is, mm-hmm. using your analogy of driving a car, you will have to fill up your gas tank eventually. Yes. The, the reality is you can't drive with an empty tank. And no matter how much you try or no matter how how different you think you are or how much you can handle. So if it's going to come, you're going to have to fill up that tank eventually. Better to do it from a place of choice rather than a place of, I have to. And I, I completely understand that. And theoretically, logically, all of this makes sense to me. And yet, the challenge is still taking the action. We can talk about this stuff as much as we want. We can make all of the plans. And again, in theory, it all sounds good. But there's a disconnect between talking and acting. So I'm curious, how do you get people over that gap to get them to not just talk about taking the positive actions, but to be the doer who actually does what's best for them? Well, again, it goes back to, and that's a great question, man, um, to what we talked about a little bit earlier, and that is mindset. So we have these, um, what I call the, the A's of self-care. And I'll just mention a few of them because when we talk about mindset, these are critical components to taking ownership of self-care. You know, the first A that we want to bring to the, everyone's attention is um, awareness. It, I, I'm aware that self-care is not just a cliche, is a vital aspect of my life to get that sense of fulfillment and wholeness and balance. So I got to accept that first. You know, we can hear people like me and others talk about it all day long, you know, but if I don't accept it, then it's just a good, it's a bunch of words going past it. So people need to accept it just like they will accept it if a doctor tells them, you know, you you got something you have to do. They're going to accept that. Okay, doc, you got it. I'll take this pill. Well, now, like you said, instead of that being the case, why not accept the fact now, if I do this now, maybe that will never, never happen. It Maybe I don't have to you know, have those pills or whatever. 
or go through that therapy or whatever thing. So acceptance is one thing. And then there's an awareness, another A, that I have to, you know, there's something I have to do here. There's an awareness that there's a benefit, okay, to, to doing this for me personally. Just like, again, going to a, you know, a gym or something like that where they're telling, okay, if you do these works out, you're going to start workouts, you're going to start feeling better about yourself. You know, oh, wow, I, I a, there's an awareness I've accepted. Now I'm aware that, you know, I'm, I'm going to run with this. And then after that, there's an action. I got to do something. And so what's the action? So let's just take one aspect of self-care. Let's say exercise, okay? Because there's several components of, of self-care. And so I now, you know, I have this action thing where I say, okay, I haven't worked out in 15 years, <laughs> all right? I haven't worked out in 20 years. But guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna walk, to walk down the block today. I'm just going to walk to the end of my block, walk back to my house or my apartment. Next day, I'm going to do maybe two blocks. And then maybe after that, I'll do three blocks. You see? And so what is it doing? And that's not some big step there. That's not like I'm saying I'm going to have this big workout plan. I think that's the some of the problem. People get these systems that are too intense for them. Start small and do something. And so why? Because now I'm taking action. And people might be saying to me, why are you going out the house now? I'm going to walk a few blocks. Why? Because I've decided that I'm going to start slowly taking my health into my own hands. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to say, hey, you know, I love burgers and fries. Okay. I'm just, again, using scenarios. I mean, <laughs> and most people do, especially you in Austin, Texas. That's all they have out there is burgers and, and steaks in Texas there, Paul. Come on, man. And so what I'm going to do this time is I said, you know what? Every time I go to a restaurant, maybe one time I'll go have a steak, but then sometimes I'll go eat someplace and eat salads. So I'm going to balance it. Or when I cook, I'm going to add more micronutrients. I'm going to put those greens in there. I'm not saying dismantle your diet yet because, see, that's what the problem is. A lot of us who are experts we're always tell people to get rid of stuff. <laughs> and it was that easy, my friend. Everybody be doing it. We want to do it a little bit at a time until it becomes a habit. And so with self-care, the last part of the A's is accountability. Now I'm saying I'm going to do these things. Now who can I be accountable to? Is it a coach? We coach people. I'm not trying to do a sales pitch, but that's what we do. We coach organizations. We coach individuals because we know that most people on their own can't stay the course. That's all of us. I'm just going to, that's just the human experience. Until you get past a certain stage where it becomes a part of a system. Let me give you a quote that I live by. And that is this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. <laughs> And so once those systems are in place, now you put it on autopilot. Like this morning, I got up 5.30. Did I feel like getting up at 5.30? No, but I went to bed because I have timing with that too. You know, so I'll get up, I roll my old self out to bed, and I go to the gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't played college football in 35 years, but it don't even matter. I get up and I go work out. Why? Self-care is important from an exercise standpoint. So I put these systems on autopilot. So again, just keep in mind that, you know, that uh, acceptance, that awareness, that action, and that accountability sort of systematizes this process. So it goes from, this is important, what we do, this is a real important statement. It goes from what we do to who we are. And once it becomes who we are, we're in now because we don't have to think about it anymore.
for. So that's the main when I, when we talk about this, is a totally different perspective from us, man, because we understand this is just as important as any aspect of life when it comes to progress. We got to put self-care in the middle of it because everybody's going to talk about wellness. We have wellness directors and these companies and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean anything if people don't own self-care. I love those, the four A's, very similar to what I teach, you know, acceptance, mm-hmm. awareness, accountability, mm-hmm. action. This, this is the, the, what I call the foundation of everything. Like you just said, all progress is built on top of that. Right? That's mm-hmm. the, it's the, literally the bedrock foundation that yes. everything is built on. And, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned that as you go through this stuff, it kind of shifts who you are internally. Yes. And something I know that you teach about when you work with companies, corporations, is core values. And core values is a word that we hear thrown around a lot in the business world. What what are the values of this? You know, what's your mission statement? What are all that that kind of stuff? But I'm curious, how do you see core values coming into play on an individual level when it comes to us as the individual creating the habits that we want, the routines that we want and building the happy, healthy life that we're going for? That's another great question. Core values are basically those values that you ascribe to that drive your day-to-day actions, man, and the way you interact and respond to situations, things of that nature, so that now you have sort of a pillar that's defining how you do things. I'm going to tell a very quick story. Years ago, my son attended a school called Ringling College of Art and Design. So his freshman year, they reached out to me to come speak to the freshmen about success in college. And and so I went down to speak to them and I shared about um, creating dream teams and, you know, for the next four years, running with people that's going to want to do well in school. And the young people loved it. My son attended, which was funny because he told me, he said, hey, dad, I've been hearing this for 18 years. (laughs) I really don't have to come, you know. I said, well, boy, you better show up anyway because I'm there speaking. But anyway, so he was there and he was with his friends. It, It went very well. But afterwards, the dean of residence life walked up to me and said, Mr. Andrews, what are you teaching your son? I said, well, what do you mean? I said, he's only been down here three weeks. Have things changed? You know? And he said, no, he's one of the most respectful young men on this campus. He calls everybody ma'am and sir. If there's a doctor, it's Dr. So-and-so. I tried to get him to call me by my first name and he won't do it. He said, what did you teach him? Oh, I said, no, 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 sir. That's one of our values as a family. And as a family, I taught my kids, when you speak to adults, ma'am, sir, or if they're doctor, whatever, call them by that. But that's showing them respect. And so he said, man, phenomenal job raising them. So I saw my son later and I gave him a big old hug. He has a real deep voice. He's like, dad, what's that for? You know. <laughs> and I said, uh, son, you just made your family proud. I said, one of your deans came up to me and told me how you, you know, you call everybody ma'am and sir. And he, and he looked at me. He was on the way to class. He was rushing. He just walked. He gave me a hug. And again, and he said, oh, dad, you know, that's just who we are. <laughs> See, core values define who you are. And people start to know you by it. Integrity, respect, team synergy, all those things. And so on a personal level, just like a corporation has core values, we need to have we need to have discipline and we need to have focus. One of my core values is focus. And I'm going to be focused on doing things and accomplish things. Why? Because I'm moving it from what I do to who I am. Core values reshape your whole, it can reshape your whole life if done right. 
because you now are operating out of a system that you've established based upon values that's going to define how you do everything. So I'm telling people, when we talk about this on a personal level, make sure you have three or four or five different values that you live by, that you operate by. If you're in business personally, operate by, because that's going to decide how you operate on a day-to-day basis. And I can guarantee you this, you're going to produce results, especially if you're consistent, because the core values become anchors to everything we do. You know, so I hope that that information would be helpful to some folks out there. Yeah, I, I definitely think it will. I think it is so important. As you said, it's an anchor. It's the the guiding light, the pillar that we are able to lean on. It's mm-hmm. I, I look at it as a lens. I view mm-hmm. everything through the lens of my core values. Yes. So my core value is honesty. Is one mm-hmm. of them. So anything that I'm thinking about, it's like, does this take me closer to or farther away from my value of honesty? So mm-hmm. when I have that feeling of being dishonest or lying or taking the easy way out and kind of cutting corners, I have to run that through my lens of honesty and I go, oh, God damn it. And now I have to yeah. be more honest. See, right? your anchor, you know, like one, one of my big ones is respect for others. And so give you a prime example. If I'm in a situation where I'm being disrespected, my question now is to myself is, am I now going to disrespect this person because they're disrespecting me? And so what I can do in that situation is I can say to myself, this person's disposition will not reshape my paradigm. <laughs> That's what they're doing. That's who they are. I am who I am. So I'm going to continue. I always tell folks, you know, we can agree to disagree agreeably. That's all. I, no hate, no anger, no nothing. That's how you think. That's how, and this is how I think. So your values don't have to be thrown off because other people. And that takes emotional intelligence, my friend. So now we got to look into a whole nother realm because now I need to be able to control myself in situations and scenarios that I have the upper hand. One of the greatest, uh, I say, blessings of my life, I've been mentored by some people who've done some pretty powerful things with their lives. And every last one of them that I've had a chance to interact with, one thing they have is a great sense of (laughs) self-control. a great sense of self-control. It's almost like they're not moved by things. They respond to things, but they know what their response is going to be. It's very calculated and it produces amazing, amazing results. So no, you're right. That value is going to make you ask yourself questions. It's not about that other person. They just get the benefit of it. But you also get a benefit and that is you don't have to be all over the place, man. You can control this thing. Self-control is, again, at the root of everything, going back to the analogy before of driver's seat versus passenger seat. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm actually interested because before we started recording, you were telling me that you just got back from a cruise with your family and you just told that great st- story about your son. And you mentioned that you've been married for over 30 years and have four kids. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask for some of the wisdom and knowledge that that takes. Because so again, as we spoke about before we started recording, what I'm always looking for in this show is the common threads of success. So mm-hmm. from business to lifestyle, from mm-hmm. lifestyle to self-care. And part of that is being a father, being a husband, and, and the, the way you've raised your kids and structured your family. So I'm curious, what are some of the areas that, you know, you talked about values already. What are some of the things you do in your family life that pour over into business or into other areas of your life? Well, I think one of the 
key things that has helped me personally in so many aspects of my life is a, a Dr. Stephen Covey principle, and that is begin with the end in mind. Other words, vision. What's the vision for what you want to accomplish in multiple areas of your life? Vision is not just limited to one thing. It's vision for family, vision for business, vision for career. And, you know, for me as a family man, I always want to be a family man. I, I just couldn't really understand. And I'm not knocking anyone that's had situations of divorce and separation because I'm not I'm not in people's situations. So I can't I'm, it's unfair for me to even judge them. But for me, it's like, man, I just want to be a family man. I, I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be a, a husband of one woman and stay together for years. And because to me, it's about building legacy. You're able to pour into your children's lives and you're able to learn and glean from them too. You know, it's not just me being there as the, the you know, some parents think they're the all in all and all knowledgeable. Sometimes you learn from your kids. And, and so I, I had a vision for my family years ago before my kids were even born, that this is what I wanted. I wanted kids to be respectful. I wanted kids to be educated. And, you know, I wanted kids with some vision and some focus. And so my wife and I just, when we met each other, we both were just on the same page with that. And we just agreed that through the ups, the downs and the highs and the lows, we're going to work it out. You know, we're going to communicate with each other. A lot of families don't communicate. They, they, they hold grudges. They get angry at each other. And what happens is that festers. And what I mean is that it stays, it gets worse over time because we never address it. So I tell families all the time, good, bad, ugly, whatever, talk to each other. And be like it goes back to your value. Be honest with each other. What you said to me hurt me. Well, I don't think it hurts you. Well, it's not necessary that you think, but it did. And, and I'm going to tell you why. And since we love each other, can you at least acknowledge the fact that that stuff hurts me and it bothers me? And so now what are we doing? It goes back to it, we're having honest communication with each other. You do not last in 30 years of marriage by being dishonest with each other. <laughs> you know, my wife and I have had to be honest with each other for years. And there's times she say things to me and I cringe because I think that's not me. But that's what she's seeing. And so I need to start thinking, OK, if I'm if she's seeing something, then I need to recognize that's what she sees. And how do I make some adjustments to make it easier for her to interact and communicate with us? And I'm not going to say it's been roses, man. We've had roller coaster rides galore. But when it's all said and done, like that story I shared with you, we do have this result. And again, four beautiful kids, ages 13 to 26. Three, uh, my, my oldest three kids, we were told was medically impossible to have kids. And then we adopted our youngest. Who we don't, I mentioned that, but I don't really even often mention that she's adopted because she's just as much one of us as any, you know, any of the other kids. But I'll say this, you got to make it a priority. And you got to make it a priority to fight through the highs, the lows, the ups and the downs and say, this is what I want. So for me, I, great, I take great pride because I stand on stages. I speak all over the country, all over the world. I coach high level people. I coach people that sometimes aren't so high level, but they're trying to do self-care or whatever. And I can speak with um, a big smile on my face when they ask me about my life because I made this choice. And so, yeah, man, it can be done, but it takes diligence. It takes dying to self sometime, which means that, hey, this can't just be about me. It's about listening and hearing to other people from other, other, other people's thoughts. 
you know, I'll say this and I'll end it. You know, my youngest son, uh, I asked him one time, this is just being vulnerable and being candid. I said, son, if there's something you can change in your dad, now you talk about being a dad, this is a question. Now. This, is a, this, is a, this is a loaded one here, man. What would you change? He said, do you really want to hear the truth? I said, absolutely. See, that's a part of it too. Sometimes asking those tough questions. He said, I see, said, dad, sometimes I think you're sensitive to things a little too much. Like something will be said to you and you'll respond to it a certain way. Now, what was funny is I was ready to respond to him. <laughs> when he said it, I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, I was ready to be sensitive. But then I paused and I said, so give me an example. And he gave me an example. And I said, I got it. And you know what I started to do? Work on that. And then a month later, I went back to him and asked, how am I doing, son? You know what he said? Dad, it's wonderful. You changed. You see, when you love someone, you're willing to ask your, those tough questions so that you can have a better relationship. And so, I, again, I don't know if this helps, but man, we're 30 years in, four kids. I live a beautiful life. Like you said, just took a cruise with all of them, had a ball. Yeah, that, that certainly does help. And I think that it's inspiring and encouraging. Like you said, you know, 30 years, four kids are doing something right. And yeah. it's it's interesting. One, <laughs> so many different pieces of what you just said. What you just said about that conversation with your son, you mentioned open communication being important, not just with your wife, but with your kids as well. And what is what you just explained about how you went and asked, hey, what am I doing wrong? What could I do better? And then you came back in the business world, that's called the 360 review. That's a, a manager or a boss or an owner going back to speak to their subordinates so that they can get more accountability, as you said, is an important thing. And not just looking for accountability for those above us or those on the same level as us, but those theoretically, hierarchically below us as well is important because we need to be accountable to them just like they need to be accountable to us. And it's interesting, as you were talking about your your marriage, you know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is my favorite book of all time. Start with the end in mind. I, I, I literally use this analogy pretty much every episode. Anyone listening will have heard me said, you don't end up at a, at a destination you didn't set out for. You don't accidentally hit a bullseye on a target. So having that thought in your head of like, this is what I want. I, this is what the, the vision I have for my family. And it brings up a study I read, which is interestingly that they studied different cultures, marriages, and compared cultures that had arranged marriages compared to Western cultures where marriage is more about uh, love and we choose our own partner. And what they found was that the arranged marriages actually had a much higher success rate. And what they found was that's because when people are in an arranged marriage, they come into it with the mindset of we are going to make this work. My parents, it doesn't matter why, like it's not like this isn't about love. This is about creating a family unit to make a better life for our future children. Whereas in a westernized society, we have this uh, kind of fairy tale view of love and marriage and like everything should be perfect and everything should just be sunshine and rainbows all the time. And then often that isn't the case in, in reality. And that's why the divorce rates are so high because we just move on to looking to the next thing as opposed to when uh, uh, the stronger marriages have, it's not that they don't go through the same turbulent times. As you said, it, it's not all flowers and rainbows for you guys, but it's the resolve that the commitment has been made that we are going to work it out. 
when, you know, I tell my clients all the time, it's not if hard times come, it's when it's always going to come. And again, this is relationships. This is business. This is health. This is anything. If your mindset is like, I'm good when it's good, but when it's hard, I'm going to give up. There's no way you can ever succeed in life like that. The resolve has to be when it's good. I call those gimmies. Those are layups. Those are easy. I'll take those you know, cookies, gimme. But when it's hard, when the rubber meets the road, when the grind is really happening, that's when the difference is made. And something you mentioned there that I really would like you to expand upon is the word legacy. You, you mentioned that the reason that you've resolved so much to create this life, to, to, to build this life that you have literally created out of your own vision was because of your legacy. So what does that word mean to you? And what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Man, I'll tell you something. I remember um, my taking my son to this father-son event up in uh, Denver, Colorado. It was way up in the middle of the mountains. It was nice. Good time, been time with him and, you know, done some of the things with my daughters as well. Man, I'm, you know, make it seem like it's all about my sons, but me and my daughters as well. And, you know, spend quality time with them. Matter of fact, my daughter uh, uh, just recently graduated from American University and she started a nonprofit to help orphans in Nairobi, Kenya. So she, we've been back and forth to Kenya countless times to um, work with the orphans. And she calls them, um, she doesn't, she doesn't like using the word orphans. There's another name she had for them, but, but um, so I'm proud of what my children stand for, you know, what they've, what they've kind of, but to me, in essence, that's part of the legacy right there that we can say as parents, let's say that these are some of the things we want our children to ascribe to, you know, like service is one of them. And that you can, and this is important for younger parents raising kids, that you can be intentional in exposing them to this, these things early so they become a part of their thinking. And so me, when I think of legacy, it's a, it's a confluence of a lot of things we've already talked about. It's about purpose. It's about destiny. It's about taking your gifts, talents, and abilities and using them to, to the maximum. It's about uh, our core values driving who we are versus just an emotional response. Um, not that we don't have moments where we're all emotional, but you know, typically that's the case. So legacy is really all encompassing of not just a lot of times people think of legacy, they think of like finances, you leave your kids an inheritance or something like that. But to be honest with you, if you leave them an inheritance, but you don't leave them the character that came along with accumulating it, it's gone within two months anyway. You know, there's a way that you have to raise to understand this. We did this to keep building upon something. So when you think of legacy, it's really what do you want people to represent maybe long after you're gone? And so those things such as character, work ethic, all those things, you pass it on. I don't just expect it like say, hey, I want you to be this decent person and I'm not decent. I want to be that example of decency to you. So so those are just things that I think that are important uh, when you think of legacy, because the reality is, this is the truth, Paul, man. And this is this is going to maybe be a hard reality to some folks. We're going to leave a legacy one way or the other. We just are, you know, and that legacy is going to be the one where it's going to advance or it's going to be a legacy that pulls back, that causes demise. Let me say this. If my, any of my children were on this call with us right now, there's one thing I say to them, and please, I don't want anybody to think I'm perfect because these are just things that I do, all right, because I have flaws like everyone else. Every Christmas, every birthday, Father's Day, they'll ask me, Dad, what gift do you want me to get to you? All the time. And this, I'm not making this up. 
I say, what do you think my answer is going to be? And they'll look at me. Okay, dad, just love one another. I said, there you go. <laughs> I said, if you siblings, brothers and sisters can love each other, love your mom, you know, that's the greatest gift. I could. That, that's all That's all the gift I need. I, I, I don't need them. You know, gifts are nice. They got some gifts for Christmas, but nothing is greater than us having that love for one another. So I just say that over and over again. Those are just things to keep in mind if we're trying to build legacy and build home culture. We need to be intentional. So the best message that we can share. And you know, that's one of those things that the more you put out love into the universe, probably good things are going to keep coming back. And and the more we can repeat that message, the better. And Yes. Again, you know, I, I love the, where this conversation is going, right? We've talked about self-care. We've talked a little bit about business. We've talked about family. And something I know that you and your business teach about when you go, again, to into corporations, into organizations, and help them from the inside is putting in place systems for success. And and I'm very yeah. big on systems because, again, going back to the vision of nothing happens by accident, it's all about taking action and we have, but in order to take that action, in order to have that vision, like uh, having a set system of if I do A, then B, if I do B, then C is going to be helpful. It's not a guarantee that it's going to get you there, but having a system is definitely a, a, a helpful step in the direction of building the life that you want. So I'm curious mm-hmm. if any of the success systems that you teach to businesses are also applicable, again, on a personal level, on a familial level, if there's any of these systems that kind of broadly cover everything that you can leave with one or two with the listeners so that they can know that, all right, like this is something that I can put in place to start moving my life forward. Yeah. When we work with organizations, there's, there's several things we look at, but we understand it goes back to mindset that mindset. I put it like, I spoke at Walmart corporation. All right. So they flew me down to speak to all their senior leaders. And I remember speaking to their then president, his name is Mike Duke. And we had a conversation after my presentation, all 8,000 their senior leaders. I said, what do you think is the one greatest challenge that you face with all your employees all over the world, like with this company? Because they they actually flew me down to speak on one core value, striving for excellence. That's one of their core values. And he said, "Um, I don't know, coach, there's a lot of different things. You know, he started throwing things at me. I said, you know, I think your greatest challenge is, I said, your greatest challenge is you have millions of employees going to different locations throughout the world with different life paradigms. And a lot of times we bring our life paradigms into the workplace. So if we're raised in a disrespectful environment, sometimes we could be disrespectful. And so what I share with folks that's important when it comes to personal, all right, is that we need to find ways in our world, in our space, let's say family, to create a sense of continuity. How do we create that continuity in how we do things? How do we make this a part of our DNA, if you will? You know, like with companies, we're saying, you have a DNA. And and if you're not aware of that, what happens is you're going to be dealing with chaos, the, the challenges of the moment. But when you put systems together from a continuity perspective and you're analyzing things and you're seeing things and you're putting systems in place, you can now say, this is how we're going to address conflict or this is how we're going to address X, Y, Z. Because why? We are in, this is another word, intentional. There's intentionality. 
in the way we're going about this. And so like an example is I worked with this one company years ago. I won't mention their name because I'm going to be talking about a specific leader <laughs> that was within this company, but they went from like zero to $5 billion in like three or four years. And so they invited me out to help build their core values, rebuild their core. It was over a weekend and it was a beautiful, beautiful location at about 13 senior leaders. And we did the core values. But one of the leaders in particular, the one that invited me out, when he would speak to his team, I don't, he wasn't intentional with this. I think it's just the way he was wired. He would stand and he would look out at them and it was very intimidating. And so I remember I watched this over a period of a day and I said, I'm not going to say anything now, but I'm going to get him to the side and we're going to have a conversation. So we did. And I shared with him, I said, one thing I want you to immediately recognize, even though you're the person that invited me in, is this. Your team is intimidated by you. I said, when you speak to them, you speak to them in a tone that's very de de demanding, demeaning. You're the one in charge. Whereas when they speak, they speak more from a we perspective and the way we are as a team. I, I said, you should probably be a little bit more like your team. And I said, they're going to respect your position. But it would make them feel more comfortable in doing their work. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, he made some adjustments. He was frustrated when I first told him because he didn't, he didn't see it. But he made some adjustments and in a very short period of time, turned that entire organization around. They were dealing with a lot of controversy, acrimony, attitudes, but just a shift in personality, a shift in interacting with people from a major influencer shifted the paradigm and the culture of that organization. And I remember talking to him and he said they sent they contacted me about a month, two months later. They met with 600 of sales reps and the reps were given standing ovations as to the shifts and the, with the core values. So the thing about it is, when we, I'll just add this to our personal lives. Just like those companies, we need to be intentional. We need to, we need to take the time. We can't just say we're going to be a family of values. Are we working on it? Is this something that we're having conversations? Continuity. Are we are we trying to create continuity in how we do things are, with self-care? Are we encouraging each other around systems of self-care? All, all these things, if there's not an intentional effort to do it, it won't get done. That's just the way it is. It'll sound good and it'll feel good, but it won't get done. And so just like those companies have to take the time to slow down and focus on building those systems. So do we. Let me give you a book that I recommend for everyone to read. I've read it several times. I'm probably going to read it one more time next year. It's entitled Atomic Habits by James Clear. I love that book because he talks about the law of latent potential. And what he says is build one step at a time and you ultimately produce the result. That's latent potential. The potential is, is going to produce something do it one little step at a time. So as a family, start small, like we talk about with self-care, but build those systems so that you and your children and your spouse and all of that, you'll be able to operate in a mode that most people only dream of. You know, And that's what we would love to see because that makes for a more of a peaceful, harmonious situation in our lives. I think it helps us as a society as a whole. I think even people can get along better, even though they may have varying viewpoints in life if we focus on building those systems within ourselves. And I love, you know, implementation, continuity. These are words. I love, I love the power of certain words. And, and these are just strong mm -hmm. words that, again, you start to think about values and, and what are the values you want to live by? These are words that 
I want to remember, right? Like imp- implement. I, I want to be someone who who doesn't just talk. I, I act. I implement. I continuity. I the, I want my values not to just be at home, not to just be at work, not to just be in my personal life, not to just be my pers- professional life. I want to be the same person one place or the other. So I, I appreciate that a lot. And James Clear, Atomic Habits, if there's one book, there's 300 episodes of this podcast, probably if the one book that's been recommended more than any others is that book. So listeners haven't read that one yet. I highly recommend going out and getting that, obviously. I had a mentor. His name was Nathan Hill. He was the president of Discover Card. And I remember having a mentoring session with him one time where, you know, usually it's about a half an hour. You know, this, this is, this is what, what I'm talking about is how values transfer no matter where you are. And so he um, was meeting with me. It was a great mentoring session, but he said he had a half an hour. And so we started to talk and I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm doing more listening. When you're being mentored, you should listen more than talk. Okay. So I'm listening. And then I noticed it's 30 minutes and I'm thinking, oh God, we're at that 30 minute point. He's still talking to me. I'm nervous. His secretary contacts him and said, okay, Nathan, we have the board waiting for this meeting. And he told them, he said, give me just a moment. He continues to talk to me. And then a few minutes later, she says, we got contingent from China on the call that's in the board meeting. And he said, tell them all I'll be there in a minute. And so now I'm like, Sweating because I'm thinking, he's talking to me. You got the board. You got these folks from China. And this guy's talking to me. And so finally, about 40, 45 minutes into our conversation, he said, well, I guess I got to go. So we got up, shook hands. So I said, sir, thank you so much. I learned so much today. And as I was walking out the door, I turned back and I looked at him and said, Nathan, wait, just one quick leadership lesson for me. You had all these people waiting for you, but yet you took the time to talk to a mentee? I said, talk to me about that. And this is what he said, Daryl, I have a valuable lesson, a value that I live by. And that is this, whoever I'm interacting with in that moment is the most important person in the world. And right now you're the most important. He said, I'm probably going to get in a little trouble in this meeting. He said, but they'll forgive me. But I wanted to let you know that you were important. Gave me a hug and he went on about his way. I went about my way. That's what I mean by a person that lives there values. And that was one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned by a leader of a multi-billion dollar company that took time to make this young fella feel like back then young fella (laughs) look like, you know, he was important. And I think when people live like that, you end up having people like me tell stories about you like that later on in life. That really is an amazing story. And I mean, it's a perfect lesson to leave with. The last thing I want to ask you, Coach D if you have one action step that listeners can take right now, as soon as this episode ends, as soon as they take their headphones out to start living a happier, healthier life, what would it be? Journal your life. Journal. Start journaling. Journal. I mean, journal every single day. Then look back on what you wrote. Because journaling is gives a picture of the actions and activities of your life. It could be journaling about work, journaling about interactions with people and people that you love. But in the beginning of that journal, write down what you value. So write in the first few pages, write down your values. What is it that you want to, what do you want to be known for as far as a a person? Not just in success in business, that's cool too, or career, but put it down. 
And as you're journaling, let that piece that you see up front in the beginning anchor you in all these experiences. And I know people, if you're like me, I've have over the years, I have several of them because I've, I've filled them all up and I go on to the next one. And you can always look back to see where you've come from to where you are. So I would say that would be my advice. Journal with self-care, do a self-care journal and, 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 and journal your self-care experiences, you know, included in that could be your values, things of that nature. But journal it because if not, you'll listen to this great podcast, get all this information. And in a week later, business as usual. And I don't think, Paul, either one of us want that. Love that. It's super actionable, super tangible. So I I always appreciate when people give action steps like that. Last thing, Coach D, I have the links for all of your stuff in the show notes, your social media, your website. But if people want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about what you do, where's the best place that they can find you online? Well, again, you go to my Instagram page um, or my website. We're, We're about helping folks maximize their potential to the fullest. But we understand that in theory, that sounds good, but it does take a system. So be it self-care or business or just life in general, without the system, it'll just be a good conversation. And we don't want that for people going in 2024. We want to see some action, man. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. This was, this was uh, above and beyond my expectations. So thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or got value from it, you can support the show by sharing it with a friend and giving them the gift of a happier, healthier life. You can also leave a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That helps boost the show on those platforms so more people can discover it and we can all grow together. I'll see you back here every Tuesday and Thursday morning. And until then, stay happy, stay healthy.